Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Romans in uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings you give to us for being with us. And God, I pray for our service. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds for the word that Aaron will preach to us. God, I pray that it will be straight from you and that it will change our hearts and minds. And I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. The Alphas may be dismissed and you may sit down. Chris, good morning. For those of you I've not met yet, my name is Aaron. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 29 as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis. As you've noticed, you might even be thinking, is the air conditioner not working? Or were we trying to create a splash zone with the windows open like if it rained like it did last weekend? We'll let you find out. Uh, as we get started this morning, uh, I want to open us up. We're going to read through the first section in Genesis chapter 29, uh, and then we're going to connect back a little bit of what we've seen in some of our other Sundays together. So we'll be in Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 1. Would you read with me as we see how God continues to move in and through this promised family? Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And as he looked, he, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well the flocks were watered. The stone on that well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, it is, is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that we get to gather as your people this morning, that we get to open up your word, that we get to be taught by it, that we get to sing praises to you. God, would you be honored in our time? Speak through me, encourage our hearts, conform us more to the image of your Son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little recap of where we've been so far. If you're just joining us, we've been going through Genesis since September, October time. Uh, at this point in the story, Jacob is now in possession of two things that are very important. His brother's birthright and his brother's blessing. Both of which Jacob needed to be the designated individual that God would perpetuate this promises to the next generation. He stole both of them, 
but he is God's chosen instrument to continue this promised line. And so Jacob has now fled from his older brother Esau and gone to the area north of Israel where his ancestor, his mother's ancestors are from. And last week we saw this blessing in chapter 28. When God visited Jacob in verse 15, it says, Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And so this morning we will see this charge for all of us. That we need to remember God's word. It will transform our minds. It will transform our hearts. And it will transform and change our actions. So if you recall, God told Jacob in verse 15, I am with you. The next verse, in verse 16, Jacob acknowledges. He says, the Lord is in this place. And a couple verses later, in verse 20, as Femi opened up God's word last week, Jacob says this, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I might come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me I will give a tenth to you. So he just said, the Lord is in this place. And then he questions, if God will be with me. And this is another example of the constant reminder that we have in the book of Genesis that the serpent questioned Eve with, did God really say? God allows Jacob to continue in his way, and he finds himself at a well. And a well, as you might be recalling, is a significant theme in the book of Genesis. Hagar was met at a well twice. Abraham's servant met Rebekah at a well. The well is kind of like a, an ancient water cooler where the latest juicy gossip of ancient Israel is taking place. The sports scene in ancient Israel is accounted for. You also have some frustration by the people of Israel wondering what new king is going to come in and conquer our land. And can you believe that Ketelamer is still making us wear masks? It's asinine. In Genesis, a well is God's sign of benevolence and divine providence. And remember, as we saw a few weeks ago, that providence is God's wise sovereignty working itself out in the lives of God's people and acting in the world. And so this same thing keeps theme keeps recurring where a hero is finding himself in a distant land and that hero is finding himself at a well. And that hero at the well is met by a woman. And that woman then goes and tells her father or her brother what has taken place. The father and brother or brother come and visit. And then that woman is given to marriage to the hero. We saw this a couple weeks ago with Isaac and with Rebecca. We also see this today. And you even see it if you continue into Exodus 2 with Moses as he flees Egypt and finds a wife. 
but there's a stark difference between the previous encounter and what we see today. If you remember Abraham's servant, he prayed big prayers that God would bless his effort. Here, it's a little bit different. Here, that prayerful servant has become the prayerless patriarch. And so it's important here to talk about prayer. Prayer, church, acknowledges our dependence on God. Abraham's servant was dependent on God, and so he prayed. He knew God's promises, and he spoke God's promises back to him. That God would bless his efforts. And so church, in our Bible reading plans that we call you into, it is not so you can check off a box, so you can compare yourself to other people in the church. It is so that God would speak to you, and that in our Bible reading, that we would speak back to God. That we can trust and be submitted to God's counsel as He speaks to us, and we can speak His words back to Him as a natural outflow of His communication to us. And so when we see good gifts from God through His Word, we respond with thanks. When we face challenges in life, we can go to Him. He who is sovereign, He who cares, He who wants to listen to us, who wants to help. And so prayer is a humble dependence on God. Prayerful people don't pray because they don't think they need God. It's a form of pride. Prideful people don't pray because they think they can handle things on their own. But the more God reveals himself to us in his word, the more humble and prayerful we should be as God's people. If you're anything like me, you feel like you can handle everything. You can conquer the world. You know what's right and that God is sovereign over everything. And so he'll use your obedience even when things are out of your control. My wife and I, we've dealt with some health challenges with her years back. And it was easy to just depend on God for his care and trust in who he is. At the same time, when we don't pray when those things happen, it's also a form of pride. He's got it. I don't need to go to him. But he's a loving father church that wants to hear from us. At the same time, it's the little things that I can tend to get a little upset about, like when the air conditioner doesn't work, or as our people who are probably wondering why Facebook Live's not working right now. It's out of our control. I don't go to God, though. That is also a form of pride. I should have been back there when I was wondering about the air conditioner or Facebook Live. God, help this to work. Because he can and he does desire to respond. Pride is thinking that we have no role in the big things, but also thinking that we don't need him in the little things. Prayer is a humble dependence on a God, a loving father who delights to respond to his children. And so we can go to him, church, and he can listen. He will listen, and he will respond to us. So when Abraham's servant went to the well, this took place in Genesis 24. The servant said, O oh Lord, God of my master, Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master. In verse 4 today, we see this. And Jacob said, he just spoke to the shepherds. Jacob didn't ask God for any help. 
Jacob didn't ask God for any counsel. Church, Jacob didn't even remember what God had said to him the previous chapter. And so our first point this morning is to remember and submit to the word of God. Jacob didn't. And as Abraham's servant went to the well, he requested four things of God. And Jacob, when he was at the well, made four statements and questioned the shepherds who came to the well. And what did Jacob notice first when he arrived at the well? In verse 2, he noticed the sheep. He saw Laban's stuff coming. Like Laban, a couple chapters earlier, was tempted by Abraham's stuff. Jacob is now tempted and seduced by Laban's stuff. Got some mighty fine sheep over there. Would love to get my hands on some of those. But not only did Laban have a lot of sheep, but he had a beautiful daughter. And in verses 6 to 8, Jacob seems to be trying to shoo these men away. Water your sheep pretty quickly and go on your way so that I can have a meeting with Rachel and some time alone. Jacob's heart, church, was deceived. He was not remembering and submitting to God's word. And so church, Jacob is the new Laban. And we now get to see two Labans, two characters not dependent on God, thinking that they are in control, trying to manipulate over and over again the systems. And it's a good thing, though, that God is providentially over all of this and that God's plans can never be thwarted. The ways Jacob hasn't submitted to God's word is allowing temptation to surface. Just like Jacob's father, Jacob is blind. And so church, we need to constantly remind ourselves of God's word. Imagine if Jacob would have meditated on the things that took place in the previous chapter. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. He will never leave me. He probably would have trusted a little bit more. Imagine if we trust God. Imagine if we trust God with our finances, that we wouldn't be tempted to cut some corners or fudge a little bit on our taxes or leave the office a little early, inflate that invoice a little bit more. Imagine if we trust God with our spouses, that we wouldn't have eyes to see other women. Imagine if we trusted God to rule and establish our government. Maybe we wouldn't get so angry when they don't do things the way that we want. Maybe we would pray for God to help us to steward our finances or to cherish our spouses or that we would ask God to help our government to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Church, we need to fix our eyes on things above. And Jacob made mistakes that we can learn from and we will continue to learn from in our time this morning. Remember the word of God, church. It will transform your minds. We'll pick this back up in verse 9. It says, While he was still speaking with him, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, 
Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And he ran and she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with them a month. And so Jacob's at the well. Rachel arrives. What's interesting is that Rachel actually means you, which would be a fitting name, right, for a shepherdess. And it's God's providence that bringing Rachel at just this time to continue to work through what is going to take place. Verse 10 says, As soon as he saw Rachel and the sheep of Laban, Laban's two prized possessions, he rolled away the stone. This man is showing off his strength. He's going to try and impress some people. This stone was a big, flat stone that would cover the opening of the well. One person generally could not move it. The stone in the previous chapter was under Jacob's head. It became a memorial provision of what God had done and said. And now the stone was in the way of Jacob's desires and goals. He forgot God's word, and thus he has distorted his mind. In his actions. He is literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. He was trying to do two things I alluded to. He was trying to both impress Laban, but also impress Rachel. But even his ability for strength was a sign of God's provision and protection for him. Since Jacob has a distorted mind, not submitted to God's word, He takes matters into his own hands without giving God glory or asking God what he should do in this situation. You probably were asking this question of why did things get weird as we were reading through? Jacob hasn't said a word to Rachel, but then he runs to her, he kisses her, and he weeps on her. It's probably a joyful reaction to a family member. There's no romance here. But she ran and told her father what happened. And I have two daughters. If some random guy was weeping and crying on her, I would want them to run and tell me as well. That's why I have a shotgun and a shovel. And we all have crazy uncles, right? They come, they do weird things at family gatherings, they say weird things. Uh, It's nice that we're not on Facebook Live right now, so I don't have to worry about my uncle. But, you know, maybe at VBS we should get some t-shirts as a church and say, at least my uncle isn't crazy Laban. (laughs) Uncle Laban, he comes into the picture. I'll probably remind you of this passage every time we get together in our study of Genesis. Genesis 3.6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And then it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And these themes, church, keep resurfacing them over and over again. We must remember what God is teaching us in the book of Genesis. 
in the midst of this weird family drama, this theme keeps resurfacing. And Laban's stuff was a delight to Jacob's eyes. Like the gold that Abraham's servant brought when he was going to get Rebekah was a delight to Laban's eyes. Now it's the strength of Jacob that is a delight to Laban's eyes. That guy moved that big stone? How can I use him for my benefit? If you recall the story from a couple weeks ago, it was Rebekah who came and watered the herds of Abraham's servant as a sign that she was going to be part of Isaac's future. What does Jacob do here? He waters Laban's herd. I will impress this father of this woman that I want. This was the beginning of a special relationship between Laban and Jacob that will continue in the next few weeks as we continue in this story. Neither of these men were submitted to God's word. They were distorted in their minds. And so greed and a desire for a woman have blinded Jacob. And Laban's response in verse 14, Surely you are of my bone and of my flesh. He was family, but I think this is meaning that he was a man after Laban's own heart. It was the initial deceiver, Laban, calling the new deceiver, Jacob, the deceiver. Jacob and Laban are kindred spirits, that they are birds of a feather flocking together. It was Jacob looking into a mirror and Laban looking into a mirror. And we will see this continue to work itself out this morning. And so church, God's word transforms our actions. Will we be like the servant who trusted God and asked him to provide for us? Or will we take matters into our own hands? Will we live in truth and trust God to take care of and help in our challenges, not desiring the endless pit of the things of this world? In our home, we talk to our kids often about lying. We live in truth as the seller's family, and we've all been there, right, where you've said a lie, and then you have to say another lie to cover for that lie, and it goes on and on and on, and eventually you forget what the first lie was even about, and their hole is dug deeper and deeper. We have good reason not to trust certain people because of that, and they haven't been trustworthy. We're fool me once, shame on I always get this one wrong. Me. Fool me twice. Shame on you. We don't stumble into, church, into sin. It is a gradual leading down a road. It starts with not believing in God's word. Allowing our minds to be distorted. Allowing our actions to end up in a big mess. And it's tough to get out of. And the beauty of this though is that we have each other. We have each other to remind each other of God's word. And so a question to think about, who do we hang out with? Is it people who will encourage you and admonish you, remind you of God's word? As you know, we're working on plans and logistics for Cornerstone to be an autonomous church. And we are reminded over and over again, as Marty and I get into rooms, as Marty and I have conversations, 
that he and I are very different in personality. But it's beautiful where he gets to speak into my life and I get to speak into his life. And we both get to benefit from that. We need each other, church, to remind each other of God's word. You ladies got to experience that for those that you went to the women's retreat. That we can remind each other of God's word. That God's word will transform our mind. And then the next section, we'll see how it will transform our hearts. We'll pick it back up in verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and this seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. And so Jacob and Laban, hearts, they continue themselves into sinful actions. Jesus says this in Luke 6, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it doesn't take Laban very long to speak, and it doesn't take Jacob very long to speak back. Abram's servant came with ten camels, with gold, with gifts to bring for Rebekah, Laban's sister, to take her back to Isaac as a bride. Remember, Jacob fled. He brought nothing with him. But Laban noticed, remember, something that Jacob does have. He does bring to the table strength. Remember, he moved that big stone. I can use that to my benefit, Laban is saying. And so service would be required of Jacob. And so Jacob was in love with Rachel, and so he was blinded. And without considering God, without asking God what he should do, reminding himself of what God's word says, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't I give you seven years? It only seemed as a few days, though. Something seems wrong here. The lack of understanding of God's word here has made Jacob's mind think poorly. And now his heart is acting in a way that it shouldn't without thinking. And so he speaks. That's why I had Chris read Romans 12. I'll read it again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so renewal of the mind and the heart comes through an understanding and an application of God's word in our lives. For Jacob, marriage to Rachel was something for him. It wasn't something that modeled Christ in the church. And what did Christ do? For the church, he died for the church. 
Jacob was in it for himself, not for Rachel. Jacob was blinded by his actions, and his heart shows us. Like Rebecca loved Jacob in preference over her, his older brother, so too Jacob loved Rachel in preference over her older sister, who should have been married first. We'll come to that, back to that in just a minute. Yeah, but Aaron, Rachel was beautiful. Leah had droopy eyes. Moses can write those things. We cannot go down that path. But it's easy for Jacob to choose one over the other. He still didn't ask God what God wanted in this situation. He just acted. I can do it. I'm quick on my feet. I can make decisions. I know what's right and wrong. I don't need to ask God for wisdom. It's the same thing I described earlier for myself. It's a form of pride. Slow down. Be dependent. Go to God. Jacob's mind was distorted. His heart was distorted. And he was acting in sinful and distorted and unbiblical ways. And Laban was just as bad. He starts negotiating. Laban has Jacob hooked on the drug of his younger daughter. Jacob was blinded like Isaac. His parents could have even told him, we're going to send you to my brother. But remember this, he deceived us. Be on your guard. Friends, we need each other to remind each other of God's word to help us to not fall into sin. And following Jesus is hard at times. There is much joy. Don't get me wrong in that. But following Jesus comes with making difficult decisions. Jesus had this conversation with a rich man. He said, and Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Friends, the world we live in is full of great things. We have homes to live in. We have food to eat. We have families to love. We have a church to gather with. We live in a beautiful state of Vermont. I will remind you that it is still May. It may be 80. It may be 20. I have a friend in Montana. It snowed yesterday. I laughed at him. Jesus reminds us that we cannot love both God and money. We cannot have two masters. Either we will hate the one or love the other or vice versa. And exchange money for whatever you want. We cannot love God and anything else that would compare to him. Friends, we need to know God's word. We need to not succumb to the temptations that Eve and Jacob have fallen into. We are called to live a certain way. We are called to have a transformed heart and a transformed mind. And when we don't do this, we get to learn from Jacob's example. We'll read it, pick it back up in verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, that I may go into her. For my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. 
And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week for this one, and we will give you the other also, in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Billah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into her Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban another seven years. Church, remember the word of God. It will transform your minds, it will transform your hearts, it will transform your actions. Jacob is done serving. He wants his prize. He abruptly says to Laban, give me my wife. I'm a, daughter, I'm a dad of two daughters, and that will not go well for that boy if he says, give me my wife. He doesn't say, may I have your daughter's hand in marriage. Jacob's motives are not pure. His senses are compromised. And this, as we see, is used against him. We see Laban doesn't say a word, probably because he's already thinking in his mind how he can manipulate the system. He's ready to deceive himself. And so Laban gives Jacob Leah as his wife, the unattractive, unwanted, unloved woman as used as a pawn by her father. Laban is a sinister man. Manipulating the circumstances for his own benefit. I didn't get emotional, but my daughters are here now. The only thing that Laban does that is noble is trying to get his first daughter married. Jacob is blinded by his, desi his desires. He wants to consummate the marriage quickly. He could have had a conversation. Hi, wife. I'm Jacob. He's lived with her for seven years. He would have known the difference in her voice. But he's focused on one thing. Himself. Jacob believes he's like God, in control of his own destiny, leading everything. His lack of remembrance of God's word, his distorted mind, his distorted heart was causing him to act selfishly, just like his crazy uncle, Laban. And Laban is once again an example of a man who should have protected and led a woman in the book of Genesis. We saw this with Adam, who was with Eve as they ate of the fruit. We saw this with Abraham, as he allowed his wife Sarah to do what she wanted with Hagar. We saw this with Rebecca, where she took initiative on her preferential son so that he could get the blessing. Brothers, we have a responsibility to lead our wives and the women of this church. This is very countercultural in our world. Our world treats women as property, something for men to look at, to accomplish the goals, to serve us. That's the world. And our world sins against women. Our world has caused women to need to protect themselves, to desire to protect. I don't want a man serving me because he has sinned against me. Just like Rebecca did with Jacob and Isaac. 
Church, let's cherish the women of this church. Let's lay down our lives for the women at this church. Let's equip and enable them to be used by God in their giftings and show women the value that they have, which is just as much as ours. Let's live with our wives and the women in an understanding way. It's for our joy. It's for their joy. But most importantly, it's for God's glory. When we love like this church, it will transform everything. And so after Jacob is deceived, he's angry. He has the gall to ask the question, why have you deceived me? Remember, he's looking in a mirror. The deceiver has been deceived. And it won't stop there, as we'll see in the next few weeks. Laban has the same lame excuse. Well, we don't do that here. The older is always married first. Similar to Abraham's reaction and Isaac's reaction, vain attempts to justify their actions, as we saw a few weeks ago. And so this wedding celebration, it would last seven days. And so after these seven days have passed, Laban would agree to give Rachel to Jacob, probably so that Leah could conceive a child and join, and then Rachel would join this messed up family picture. Jacob has to wait a week, and it's a trust that Laban would have that Jacob would serve him for a seven more years. And Laban is getting everything that he wanted. His free labor, his older daughter married first, and his younger daughter married second. And an extra seven years of free labor to seal the deal. And as Jacob stole the blessing from his older brother, a similar custom is used here where the firstborn daughter should have been married before the younger. In church, Jacob should have taken his wife Leah and gone home. He didn't. His actions are still in sin, and he's not remembering God's word. I'll remind you of Genesis 2. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Polygamy is outlawed in God's word. Moses says this a couple books later in Leviticus 18, And you shall not take a, wife, a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. Paul picks this up in Romans, says, For a woman, for a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. Laban condoned this sin. Just because you see in the scriptures this morning a man married to two women does not mean that the Bible condones it. God uses it. Jacob should have protested and he should have gone home. Church, our beliefs determine our actions. We need to remove a renewed mind as we've seen in Romans 12. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, how did he respond? He responded with the word of God. Three times Satan came to him to tempt him. And what were Jesus' three responses? It is written. The pastor who wrote the letter to the Hebrews said this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so Jesus endured temptation. He was perfect, but he paid the penalty for our sin. For times that we don't believe God's word, he died for that. For times that we have a distorted mind, he died for that. For times when our hearts are distorted as well, he died for that. For times when we actively sin, he died for that. Later in Romans 7, Paul talks about his own struggle to sin. So I find it to be a law that when I do, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Can you relate to that? For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members or my body parts another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I, I deal with the same thing. Church, our only hope in life and death is that we are not our own, but we belong to God. Jesus is our only hope to be delivered from our sin. We have seen over and over again the heroes of the Bible fail. Jesus will not fail us. Jesus has not failed us. When life is hard, it will pass away, but the final victory is coming through Jesus. And when we sin, we are the unwanted. We are the unholy. We are the unloved. And Jesus doesn't say, I don't want that one. He comes to us. He wants us. So let's trust him. The story between Jacob and Laban will continue to escalate further. He could have got his wife. He could have moved on. He sticks around the sinner. Let's not be Jacob. Let's not be Laban. Let's be like Jesus and be holy, for God is holy. He will not lead us into temptation, but he will deliver us from the evil one. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for once again being gracious to us to continue to repeat the same things, the same stories, the same mistakes in the book of Genesis. God, you are a loving Father. You're patient with us. God, would you help us to remember your word? Would you use it to transform our minds? Will you use it to affect our hearts? Will you change our actions? Would the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight? O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.